Hello, welcome to Catherine Lerma's Guide to Land. So this one, it's kind of about house renovation, maybe kind of not, um, and it's entitled A House That I Built. And it's actually about um, the time, you know, I've spent living in a small housing in Ayrshire. So ever since I was a little girl, wanted to live on a farm, and I dreamed of a white farmhouse with a perfect my friend at school kept her pony at her farm and she had a stable for it. And I kept my pony in the fields near my parents' house. It was late season, so it's kind of a really hard breed, the Connemara. And she was out all year round, so she was absolutely fine. But it wasn't the point. I wanted the key to keep them at home and have a stable. So when we got the keys, the little farm in Ayrshire, a picturesque white brick old farm with seven acres of land. Six acres of clothing and an arena and an idyllic, idyllic location in East Ayrshire with easy access to Glasgow, shops about 10 minutes drive away, lovely village up the road with a nice pub, a country estate to walk the dogs on on the doorstep. And it had an amazing view of Aaron from the window, unless it's rain, it was raining, in which case you couldn't see it. My dreams had it was tucked away off a quiet country lane. And looking back, I know I'm never going to have that again. I've learned that just because the house looks ideal on escape to the country, living in a period property and running it as a small holding is actually really, 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 really hard work. And it's difficult to juggle so many pies at the same time, especially when you really don't have the money. Constantly studying an Excel spreadsheet, seeing a gap in of expenses out and income in widening until all your savings have gone. Questioning the husband as to why he felt like he had to spend £9 at Tesco's on yet another cookbook. So if like the lady I recently met, at a local National Trust property. You are in love with the idea of a period house in the country or a small holding. This podcast is about what it's actually really like to live in a period farmhouse managing a small holding from someone who has actually done it. <laughs> okay. We moved into Little Farm on the 16th of December 2016 which was the same day as my Christmas lunch at a Royal Medical College in Glasgow, where I was working at the time. And I really look forward to this event every year. It started with Secret Santa in the lower library, which is an absolutely amazing building. And then a fantastic meal cooked by Richie in the kitchen, an ex-army chef who could organise an event meal with military precision and just amazing catering. And I really look forward to it every year. So, I still went while Brian, my now ex-husband, my mother, who had travelled up from Chester to help with the move, and my friend Sally helped unpack everything when the removals team had emptied the lorry. Brian hired a van with a tail lift so that we could move things that we had stored in our farrier's garage. Sally and Brian had a challenging time trying to unload the roller, but they got there in the end. 
We had arranged for someone to come and fire up the Rayburn, which had been told ran okay, but hadn't been used for a bit. And the old boiler in the back room worked fine, despite the hole in the top, honest. And there was an open fire as well. How exciting, how lovely and romantic. So I arrived back looking forward to entering my new cosy warm farm house. Well, the Rayburn was working, but unfortunately the chimney had been stretched downwards as I later found a note saying this on the receipt. So there was a revolting burning smell that caught the back of your throat and stung your eyes. And Sally said her eyes never actually recovered from saying the night hours after that night. The fire in the living room worked, but only produced enough heat to warm a very small pantry. And the old boiler misfired every half an hour, so the radiators weren't working properly. And I hadn't noticed that the central heating had been installed using microball pipe, which, if you don't know, is a 10 millimetre pipe in diameter, which they quite often used to shove it in the 80s. Modern houses have 15 millimetre copper pipe, which basically moves the, means the water can move around the central heating system in the house a lot quicker and it's less likely to gunk up and it means your heating is more effective. And I knew from bitter experience that one knock on a connection of microball pipe with a hoover was usually enough to disconnect something. It also meant that the heating, which was really needed to heat a non-insulated stone house up a hill and one of the highest points in Ayrshire, was not effective. To say it was cold was, frankly, an understatement. The kitchen was nice and warm, though. Unfortunately, the smell meant it was unbearable to sit in it and you had to shut the kitchen door, which meant the the heat all stayed in the kitchen and not the rest of the house. And after Christmas, it got a whole lot worse. The Rayburn died completely and the whole house just felt cold and damp, combined with the fact that one of our horses was then diagnosed with cancer and had to have surgery to remove the tumour. I think this was when I really started to fall out of love with the farm. Straight away we had a decision to make. Did we replace the boiler with another not very environmentally friendly new oil boiler? Or do we look to get a Calagas boiler? Also, what should we do with the Rayburn? We decided to start by getting a Clearview log burner fitted in a room that was at the end of the house. That was the coldest part of the house. For anyone who doesn't understand old stone houses, they are built on the ground, they have no foundations, and they're built of two stone walls and filled with material in between. So moisture from the ground comes into the walls, which can lead to damp. And the best way to do to heat the houses, because they were traditionally heated by fires for cooking and heating that were on all the time apart from probably in the summer. And by getting a log burner fitted, we were going back to a more traditional style of heating the old house, which would be better. We had to wait a couple of months though, because there was a bit of a backlog. But in March 2017, our Clearview Solution 400 stove had been fitted in the corner of what was a bedroom. But to us, it made no sense to have it as a bedroom, as it had steps leading to a door outside. So we decided it would be better as a living room. Once the log burner was in, the difference it made to that room was noticeable. But then we still had a decision to make on what central heating we installed. Then the weather started to get warmer, which helped with the heating of the house. In April, I was really busy with work on the college admission ceremony organisation, so I tasked the heating replacement options to my ex-husband. But as we headed into August, with not much progress made, 
The oil boiler quote suggested we should get all the pipes replaced with 15mm copper pipes. They were probably right. The Calagas people couldn't decide where we could legally put the tank in and whether or not we actually needed planning permission. I decided to take over the project, having left my full-time job and taken a part-time job because it became apparent that actually running a small holding with five horses and ponies is in itself a full-time job. My job was at a small country estate and they had got a grant and got money in for having heating from a renewable energy source. So I did a bit of research into a biomass option for our house and I found a biomass stove called the Clover 120 which will replace both the Rayburn and the old oil boiler. And it ran the hot water heating and you could cook on it and you could get an interest-free loan to pay for it and then get renewable heat incentive payments to cover the cost of the loan. So eventually, on the 26th of October, my birthday, 2017, we had it fitted with a new water tank, which also worked as an immersion heater in the summer. Nearly a year later, we finally had proper heating in the house. Now, any country house owner will tell you that a large proportion of time is spent complaining about how much it costs to heat country homes and trying to find a cheaper or better way of doing it. We had deliveries of wood pallets by the pallet and it was good exercising and loading the 98 bags per pallet, honest, and we got through about six pallets per year and we had to find somewhere to store the pallets. And in the summer, no heating was required and the water stayed hot in the new tank for about three days, as, as there was just the two of us and we had an electric shower. Usually, the longer you spend in a house and make it your own, the more you like it and the more it feels like home. And that certainly is the way I felt about it. My little semi-detached house in Cheshire with a Clearview log burner that heated the whole house, which we had installed as the combi boiler pipe froze when it got to minus 10 on Christmas Day the first year we installed it, was brilliant. And we love that house. But with the little farm, I know the longer I stayed in it, the more I actually hated it. It had been built the wrong way round. An observation that my cousin Paul, who works for a large multinational building corporation, made when he visited. The rooms should have been built with the windows on the garden side, west-facing, to get the best light at the end of the day. Instead, the rooms faced east and the conservatory looked onto the garden, which was too hot to sit in during the summer and too cold to sit in during the winter when you actually wanted to use it. The kitchen windows were too high to see out of when you were sitting down. In fact, there was no decent view of the outside from any window in the house if you were seated. And the way the extension had been built meant that you couldn't see the garden at all from the kitchen as there was a solid wall where a window should have been. I used to think that any house could be improved to make the best of it. And we did the best we could with it. But really, you needed to take it apart and start again. And why did we buy it? I hear you ask because we were living in a caravan with no heating in the snow in November. I was extremely hungover when we saw it, and after going, after going a bit crazy at a friend's wedding the night before, and it was the only property available like that at the time in the area we wanted. I also forgot to mention that on week two, the kitchen tap broke as well, and then sometimes the next month, a copper pipe started leaking in the ceiling, so we had to get that fixed while we were living there. The conservatory roof leaked, so we had to fix that. The guttering leaked in places if it rained too much, as it had been put up with the wrong type of brackets. It was a constant renovation, alteration, fixation project 
That, to be fair, was one step far too far even for me. Although I did manage to put up an insulated internal partition wall and, if I say so, did a very good job of skimming it with plaster. I was probably my own worst enemy though, as I started doing jobs and then didn't have the enthusiasm to finish them. I just couldn't get myself motivated, which really wasn't like me, and mostly I just felt tired and really old. And I realised that I was not as young or as strong as I used to be. I think I cried when the side of the shed fell off in a storm one day and then the roof started bowing a stable block where the roof truss had been put up the wrong way round and then the main barn roof started to leak one winter and the light shorted out so I had to do the horses in the dark with a head torch on wanting to kiss whoever it was at Apple as well for adding a torch to an iPhone. The porch door leaked when it rained really heavily and the wind blew quite strongly and someone had put an internal door to the main part of the house when it should have been a proper front door. Upstairs hadn't been insulated properly so it was boiling in the summer and freezing in the winter and a gale blew through the roof as well which made it really drafty. The warmest bedroom in the house was the attic room Unfortunately, only a vertically challenged adult or child could sleep in it because it was too low because they'd put in an additional flooring to put all the central heating pipes in, which is probably why it was really warm. The house was also in the wrong place in terms of the stable block. In our previous house, you could see the horses from the field and in their stables. You could see their heads out and it was lovely. Um, you know, I, I used to really enjoy watching them with the heads over the stable door or canting around the field. In Little Farm, you could see the Shetlands in their field after we removed most of the overgrown shrubs in the border. But you couldn't see the other horses in the fields, which is important, as our old warm blood went down in the field a couple of times and couldn't get back up again, requiring Brian and I, along with the help of a vet, to get him back up. And we wouldn't have known he was down if the neighbours hadn't told us about it, because we couldn't see him. And we couldn't see the barn from the house either, and that was yet another thing in my mind that was wrong with it. A friend came round to look round to see where we could build a new barn last year and said, we'd probably need to spend over £100,000 putting the outside of the place right without even looking at the inside. And we had about £1,000. I stupidly thought that when we'd moved there, that as long as we had land and the horses were happy, that everything would be okay and we could change the house. But that's simply just not true. And everything gets on top of you and bills mount up. And the must-do-now job list of the house and outside gets longer and you get more stressed about everything that is going to need doing and you have no idea how you're going to pay for it. And I realised that the environment that you live is really important to your health and well-being. And even if you live in a nice location, if the house you live in is not nice space to be in, it really affects your mental health. Now, I've said I won't be doing any more restoration projects again. But actually, I've just kind of done some work on the boat and chances are I may well do. I might, but I do at one point want someone to build my own environmentally friendly house that cuts nothing to run. But I think I'll probably need to win the lottery for that. But after all, we do need to have dreams, don't we? And thank you for listening to my podcast and the house that Bob built. And I hope you kind of get more of an idea of actually what it is like to live in a period property. Um, 
you know, if you don't mind things that kind of are a bit higgledy-piggledy and walls that don't quite look right um, and things going wrong, and if you're the sort of person that likes fixing things all of the time, then that's good. Go for it. As long as you don't mind wearing a thick woolly jumper for most of the time or can afford to have the concrete flooring dug up and underfloor heating put in um, because actually that is the best way um, of heating uh, a period property. You know, if that's you, go for it. If it's not, then I really wouldn't advise buying one. Just sit there, look at the views and watch Escape to the Country and then think of this podcast. Catch you next time.